Hello, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. The podcast is brought to you in follow-up by the MIT Committee uh, from sessions held at the ATS 2023 in Washington, D.C. My name is Varian Call, and I'm a pulmonary and critical care physician based out of Syracuse and an educator and clinician primarily practicing critical care. And today I have with me, Dr. Roman. Hi, Dr. Roman. Hello. All right, Dr. Roman. So um, I unfortunately didn't get the opportunity to attend the session that you did at ATS 2023 because I had a new baby, which is exciting, but I hear fantastic things. And I wanted to ask you by starting off with, tell me about where you are now. What do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, great. First of all, thanks for having me. Second of all, congratulations on your baby. And third, I should say that I'm sad that you missed the ATS because this was a terrific meeting this year. It was wonderful. We can talk about that at another time. I am currently professor of medicine at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. Um, I run the pulmonary division for pulmonary allergy and critical care, and I run also the Jane Elena Corman Respiratory Institute, which is uh, developed in partnership with National Jewish Health and Jefferson Health. So my role is uh, engaged in the area of administration, leadership, education, and of course, research. All right. So the session that you had um, conducted at ADS 2023 um, was storytelling. And what I'm going to start off by asking you is, when you were in high school, taking you a little bit back in time, I imagine you did not know you wanted to be professor of medicine at that time, right? Most of us don't. So tell me a little bit about if you, you know, if you take yourself back to the high school days, what were you thinking? What was your immediate goal at that time? Uh, what did life look like? What were the plans? Dr. Carl, I am surprised that you think I can remember back to my high school years, but I will tell you what I was thinking about. Um, I was an only child. Uh, and I do believe that my future interests were somewhat affected by my father and my mother. As many uh, young children throughout their careers, they will tell you that their first mentors were their parents. My mother was a uh, teacher of kids with learning disabilities. My father was what I called a worm doctor. He was a nematologist. He studied nematodes and their impact in agriculture. And during my childhood, I saw uh, my father engage in research. And in fact, I would spend some summers uh, sitting around and walking around his laboratory watching what he was doing. And with that came an, an enthusiasm for engaging in research. Uh, clearly, I did not understand what that truly meant. I did not understand what needed to be done to accomplish those skills. Uh, but it was an interest that I developed very early on that if I was um, gonna engage in a career, it had to include research. And becoming a physician was part of that consideration as I developed into my early careers in college. Um, none of us start this career understanding where it's gonna uh, uh, evolve. 
and I certainly uh, would have never predicted that I would engage in what I do today when I was uh, a kid in high school. But opportunities come, and I think if we're open to opportunities and we say yes, and we receive appropriate um, mentorship, uh, I think we reach, if not the early goals we establish for ourselves, we do reach goals that are important for us and those around us. I, I love that because I think that resonates with me and I think it will resonate with a lot of our audiences that it's okay if the path is a little circumventing, right? It's, that's okay. As long as your mind's open and you're ready to receive those opportunities that you mentioned. So help me understand maybe two of the most sort of pivotal opportunities that came along as you went through towards med school, right? You're in med school. What are your two big opportunities, which actually you think now in hindsight helped you establish your, say, long-term goals? Because we talk about that a lot, right? As an APD, we well, ask this question. Well, I can tell you a couple of stories, if you don't mind. Please. One was in med school. As a med student, I think I was in third year. And some have heard this story before, but... Um, I was asked to take care of a young woman, actually my age at that time, who was dying of liver failure. Um, and I had her throughout my entire month as I was rotating in internal medicine uh, that month. And at the end of that month, she succumbed to her disease and she died. I did not know this. This happened in the middle of the night. When I come the next morning, the nurse pointed me to a corner and asked me to go visit with people who were waiting to talk to me. It turns out it was the parents of this young lady. And they hugged me and they gave me a little figurine. It's, it's a clown dressed as a doctor. Many of you have seen those little figurines in stores. They wanted me to keep that figurine uh, to remember their daughter and to remember to pursue a career that helped others. That really stuck with me. And to this day, this little Dr. Clown is sitting in my desk. And when I'm having a tough day, when I'm having difficulties, when I'm struggling with what to do next, um, I always look at that little Dr. Clown to remind me of why I developed into this field and it was to help other people. And so the focus of my career has been, yes, we'll do a little bit of research and we generate uh, new physicians through education and divisions and so forth. But at the end of the day, we got into this to help people. Uh, and that little clown reminds me about that young patient and about that family. And it reminds me about what my ultimate goal is about. That's one story. The second story was later on uh, when I was a resident, I was under one of my mentors, Dr. Martinez Maldonado, who really got me into this concept of staying in an academic career. He really had a passion for academia. Uh, he felt it was the best way to uh, expand your horizons and to have great opportunities, not just in one area, but in any area you wanted. And really, narrow my choices 
uh, to a career in academic medicine and really was the one who pushed me to come to mainland United States to engage in uh, research. And so that took me to Washington University during my fellowship. And I met a man called John McDonald, who was my other mentor. And John distilled in me this idea of focusing my interests into an area, uh, in this case, lung tissue remodeling. Uh, and those were very important uh, opportunities for me. One was the focus on patient care and caring about people. And the second one about focusing in academic medicine with uh, an area of interest. Uh, and what I learned was that um, you can do many things, but you can't do them all well at once. So there are opportunities that come and go and you have to choose which ones are appropriate for a particular time of your career. And that, uh, again, you can do whatever you want, but you must choose the timing of that so you can focus your energies on something to do it well before you move to the next. I like that. And then in this sort of arc that you mentioned, you talk about what inspired you in the beginning, right? And you've, you've continued through that and you you built a career on it, keeping that at the center stage of your sort of professional growth. So here's the challenge that I think early career folks face, right? It's about saying yes. And you and I spoke about it a little bit before we got online about saying yes to opportunities and being open to opportunities and thinking about opportunities that align with what made you want to do this in the first place. How does one prioritize? I think that sometimes where I am in my career becomes a little bit difficult because the world's open, right? You're energetic, you're enthusiastic, you really want to achieve everything that is in front of you. How does one start prioritizing growth from there? How did you then start finding direction? That, that is an important question. And I, I do think that when people talk about strategic planning, strategy is mostly about when to say no than when to say yes. Um, what I meant about always saying yes was meant to be open to opportunities. If you're asked to participate in an area two or three times and every time you decline, you will not be asked again. Having said that, there is a need for time protection so that you can focus on the things that are really important to you and develop a productive career with an area of interest. That is important. So your question is, how do you prioritize? And one of the points that I make for my colleagues and for my faculty is that there is no decision in academic medicine or your career that you have to make alone. People agonize about, should I do this? Should I do that? Did I make or will I make the right decision? We are surrounded by colleagues. We are surrounded by peers. We are surrounded by friends. We are surrounded by family. If a decision needs to be made that is considered that important, there should be a discussions with others around you so that you can make a decision that has already been vetted by people who know who you are and know your strengths and weaknesses. So that's one point that I think it's important for early career faculty. 
always use those around you to vet your decision before you come up with an answer. That's always helpful. It's always extremely helpful. I still do that today. One of my mentors is over 80 years old, and we still interact over the phone every once in a while to ensure that I'm looking at things in the right way. And if you have people around you who have your best interests in mind, those are the people who will help you guide your priorities. Having said all the above, I think it's important to emphasize that whatever you do, you better be good at the basics. And I think this is an important point that I always make. If you're a physician, you better strive to be the best physician. If you're gonna be an educator, you better strive to be really good at education, not just by being good at interacting with people, but by getting extra training in the area of education, by understanding how do you put together um, investigation that relates to evaluating, for, for example, the best educational methods. If you're gonna do research, either clinical or basics, how do you stay on top of your game by understanding where the field is headed? So again, if you are interested in doing something, but you're a physician, then you better be a good doctor before you move on to the next thing. And that's what my point about priorities. Once you do that, and you do that well, opportunity will knock at your door. And that opportunity is the one you're gonna end up having to question whether that is a good one compared to the next one that will be knocked on tomorrow. And you have a lot of people around you to consider those. In my mind, I wanted to be a good physician. And later on, I wanted to also be a good researcher. And therefore, no matter what I did, I needed to ensure that I was a good physician to my patients and that I was a good researcher. And that gave me priority. That gave me something to uh, base everything I did on. So if something was to negatively impact those two things, that was probably not the choice or not the priority I needed to choose. So I, I see how, you know, we sometimes think about these aspects of our careers as linear processes, right? And I think what I'm listening from you is it's probably a little bit of a circle, right? There's opportunities, but they come from you being good or at least working to be good at what you do. And then you sort of prioritize them using your mentors. And I love that advice about people who know you, right? Not people who may necessarily, you know, agree with you. There are people who know you, they will tell you. And not, this is a this is your session, but if I may quickly share a story, because you made me think of it as when I was in my second year of residency, I was going to do a different specialty. Let's go with that. And my best man, who was a co-resident, who's now another APD with me, we've grown together. He took me aside and he said, I, I don't know uh, what's driving this. And maybe you are interested in this and I think you'll be good at it. It's fine, but I think you're going to be an intensivist. So maybe you should think about this. And he said, I'm sorry if this is not what you wanted to hear, but this is what it is. I think this is the right fit for you. And and I didn't like it at that time, Dr. Roman. I really didn't, right? <laughs> I wasn't. Yeah. I, didn't want, I, I like that story. I like that story. You need other people to serve as your mirror. Yeah. 
because you're not always in tune as to what's heading and and to have a peer to tell you that who knows you well but also have somebody who's 10 years ahead 20 years ahead five years ahead to also tell you well if you take this route these are the obstacles and opportunities you're going to meet that is incredibly valuable yep yeah you're, you're absolutely right and i think we probably don't avail of that as much as we should okay so I think I, like I was telling you at the beginning of the podcast, I always try whenever I talk to anybody to just learn two, three, four things that I can think about as I leave them. Um, But I want to, before I share what I learned from you, I want to quickly ask you one final question, which is, you know, going forward, once you do end up achieving quite a bit, right? Uh, Sometimes maybe not even what you thought you would, and you have roles, responsibilities, leadership, how do you then take that position, which is now privileged automatically, and do better for people who are sort of following after you? And I feel we sometimes forget, right, where we started from. So how do you ground yourself on that? How do you remind yourself? And do you deliberately take time to address that? Well, that's a, a very insightful question, because I think many of us after a certain number of years in our career, we begin to think of, have I accomplished what I wanted, but have I also delivered on my potential? And I think it gets to the point in your career where after you um, become very good at what you propose or what you set out to accomplish, the basics, as I said before, and opportunities are showing up, you begin to realize that it's time to move from building yourself to building others. And for some people that uh, occurs earlier than others, some people choose not to do that because they have to accomplish certain aspects and that's okay. For me, when I was asked to be a division director back in the early 2000s, And in my discussions with mentors and others, it became very evident that if I did that, I needed to begin to spend more time thinking about others and building others' careers than my own. Uh, And that was another decision to make. No, that was another priority to choose, uh, whether it was time to move uh, to helping others and less about continuing to build my career. And what I didn't understand at that time, number one, it allowed me to help others, but it also opened even more doors to continue to build my own career, but also that of others. So that was very helpful. I think opportunities that come to your door sometimes define your priorities and and give you a path to choose about helping others. Having said the above, I will tell you that I'm now soon to become 64. A few years ago, I started worrying about how do I give back to my community? I'm originally from Puerto Rico. I left Puerto Rico close to 40 years ago. How do I begin? How do I give back to the people who nurture my early stage and my family who still lives there? Um, And I was approached by uh, the Hermansky Pudlak Syndrome Foundation to help Donna Appel and others because many People do not realize that the majority of patients with that syndrome that can be uh, associated with pulmonary fibrosis are in that island, an island of 100 by 30 miles. And they approached me to see how I help 
develop the infrastructure in Puerto Rico to serve that population. And I thought, wow, isn't this the opportunity to, to give back to my community? And so we started doing that. We started traveling down there, developed a clinic down there, developed an infrastructure for clinical trials, and we continue to work on that. And so, again, like you said, it's very appropriate. Once you build the basics and you're good at it, opportunities will come to you. And those opportunities begin to define how do you be uh, develop opportunities to help others uh, that are coming behind you, not just physicians and students, but also uh, patients uh, and your, your organization, your organization uh, that you feel you work for has done a lot to nurture your career, not just by providing salary support, but by providing an environment that nurtures your career. How do you give back to that organization and those that are coming behind you who will be in that institution to help? And, and those ideas and those questions begin to be crystallized as you evolve in your career. They will come to you. And what's the point I'm trying to make? Don't seek out these questions all the time from the beginning. Opportunities and questions will come to you by your colleagues and your mentors and your peers and, and be open to engaging. Be open to engaging. I love that. So, you know, um, being in the moment and thinking about sort of sometimes if it may not even look like an opportunity, giving it time to develop, you're right, right? It may on the face of it, may not even be what you already do. But I agree, I think reminding yourself that there may be more to this and exploring it and uh, building on it is key. So Dr. Roman, you know, I think you've given me a few quotable learning moments, but I'll, I'll tell you some, some things that really resonated with me is always remembering why we do it. And no matter what decisions we make, because that'll help us, right? Get up early in the morning and be happy walking into work and work is not work anymore. And I I, I think that is, is, is the most important thing I took away. But we talked about the opportunities being sort of open, not just to opportunities, but to what they could mean that they can have wider, uh, I shouldn't say altruistic necessarily, but maybe impactful outcomes, right? Depending on how we engage with them. And then keeping in mind that we don't have to do this by ourselves. We take people who are around us, above us, in front of us, and know us, and can be our mirrors and remind us uh, who we are sometimes when we need it is key when considering these opportunities. And then, like you said, at the end, that be the best, be the, be, try at least to be the best at what you do, because then at least you have a intrinsic metronome for success, right? I think uh, I, I think I think closing out with that advice was I think that'll stick with me for a while. And I think it's I, I would like to think it's inbuilt in people who go into medicine. Um, but it's always good to have that reminder. So thank you so much for taking time out to speak with me. Um, now I feel a little uh, less um, sort of uh, missed out of the event. But now I also know that I have to meet you at ATS 2024. So <laughs> I will see that's you then. That's absolutely right. And, and uh, Miriam, one of the things that you brought to my mind uh, that as we turn off this podcast is this concept that lately people are very worried about balance. Um, and 
one of the things I've learned from my daughters, which is sort of interesting, I'm at a stage in my life where I learn more from my daughters than what they learn from me, is this concept of not um, devoting so much energy and trying to reach balance. It is difficult to reach balance uh, when you're in the ICU overnight covering patients or when a patient calls you on the phone and you're on vacation, but they're in desperate need for your assistance. What they taught me is that we should seek satisfaction and ways to integrate the things that are important to us. What's important to us? Our career, our family, the people around us. So instead of balancing them out, which may mean dissecting things separate from each other, what if we can integrate them in ways where everybody's satisfied? And so searching a career goal it's not about relinquishing all the other aspects of your life. It's a work that is required to integrate all aspects of your life into something that makes you and your family and those around you satisfied. I'll leave you with that. I love that. If it makes you laugh a little bit towards the end, uh, my wife anyway found it funny. Um, I come home from ICU the other day and, you know, the baby is being the baby. She's up now. Like, what can I do with you, right? You're still too little. So I read her the basics of cell biology. They have baby books now. <laughs> and my wife thought that was a little bit hilarious because I was telling her about mitochondria. So <laughs> I love it. I love but, it. But, you know, because... it made me happy. I don't think I would be looking for her to be a doctor. But I was like, hey, I just talked about this in my residence. You have, you don't know, but, you know, we can chat about it. And like you said, it was integration, Right. It made my day, hopefully made her day and and work is work. So absolutely. Thank you so, so much. It was amazing chatting with you. And uh, I'll see you at ATS 2024. I will see you there. My pleasure. This episode was brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, rate, review or subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thank you for listening.